you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks presented by Zaxby's DJ Bucky. Back with you, Buck. How you doing, man? Man, everything is good. No complaints over here. Life is good. Watching ball. Lots of Did you get a workout in? You get a workout in this morning? What we got? Oh, I did. I got one in earlier though. We get a bike. We get a run. What are we doing? No, no, just a bike. Just a bike. Bike for forty-five minutes. Just, just running around. Just trying to get the heart up. You know. Yeah, forty-five will do that for you. I, I, I love the bike, but I'm like a, a thirty minutes is my sweet spot, man. <laughs> thirty minutes. You know, start a little bit uncomfortable on the backside, and I'm yeah, like, okay, it's, yeah, time, so, it's time to hop off this thing. Yeah. So for me, mostly it's uh, forty-five to sixty. Sometimes I take multiple classes. Um, I just miss running, and every time I run, man, my freaking knees and my ankles hurt so so i've had like the bike master i think you'll find it though because i started doing the bike thing this year and then now when i run my knees feel better 
I, I don't hopefully. know if it's, it's strengthening up some muscles around your knee joints or if it's just all placebo effect, but I've convinced myself that now I don't, it doesn't hurt when I run like it used to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe I need to do that. I've been lifting weights and everything. It's the final frontier. I, I think I'm going to swap out my shoes and see if, if I can find a new set of shoes to kind of get to run. I know no one wants to hear about our running and our workout woes. We want to talk about ball. No, no. I think, I think the people are interested in that. We're going to have uh, we're going to have a fun conversation today. Talk a little bit about what's going out in the NFL, but also want to touch on uh, the big 10 kicking off and what mm-hmm. we saw from Justin Fields in that game. You know, his first contest, first chance to see him. We know what Trevor Lawrence has done. Um, Trey Lance, his one game season is come and gone. Uh, so we can mix uh, Justin Fields into that conversation. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, we want to get to a little bit from last night, but I had a, I had a funny story I wanted to tell you first. I don't know why I haven't told you this story, but I was just going through some of my old notes. We like to keep track of all these leadership uh, notes that we have. Yeah. Listen, to different podcasts. We've had a lot of great guests on this show here, but I was going back through and I found the story I, is so good. So uh, Jesse Itzler is a uh, entrepreneur. He's uh, he's his wife is the woman who owns founded and owns Spanx, like the the company. Oh Spanx. yeah, 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 underneath. Yeah. So, yeah. And so he's um, he was, I want to say NetJets is what what he did. Like he uh, oh, wow. was okay. part of that group. Anyways, wildly successful guy. And he but he actually started out. He was a rapper. So he's a white rapper coming up. He had his song, which was Shake It Like a White Girl. That was his song. Do you remember that song? Uh, I do not remember this. This is like early 90s. Right. So then he's gone on to become this this uh, this very popular entrepreneur. So anyways, he's telling this story. I saw him speak at this leadership conference and he was talking about how um, he was coming up. He was just had that one single and there was a big there was just this big blowout concert going to be in Atlanta. And it was about kind of the city coming together and kind of a difficult time. So they were going to have, you know, taking different artists to come together and do this concert. So Vanilla Ice was supposed mm-hmm. to do the concert. Obviously, you know. Vanilla Ice. So Vanilla Ice backs out at the last minute. So they call Jesse. Can you come in? This is like next day. You're kind of local. So can you come here? He's like, yes, I'll get there. So he gets there and uh, he's like sitting there waiting back behind stage. And it's just they left the lights on in the auditorium or whatever. So it was just a weird kind of a vibe. And the, the crowd was not getting along well. So then artist after artist came up there and they were getting booed off stage. So he said he's super nervous. He calls his mom. He goes, Mom, I don't know what to do. LL Cool J just went on and they just they're booing. They're nonstop booing him. That's LL Cool J. Like, what are they going to do to me when I get up there? And she's just like, I don't know what to tell you, son. And it couldn't give him any advice. So he said, you got to think on your toes. So he finished. <laughs> he said, all right, next up. And I don't even remember what his stage name was. But so Jesse, Jesse comes up. Uh, so he comes out on stage. He brings his box of merch that he was going to sell after the show. So he comes out on stage with a box and he starts taking T-shirts and just firing. Who wants a shirt? You over here throws all it empties his whole box of merchandise he planned on selling. Emptied the whole box in, into the crowd. And he said, once I threw my last T-shirt, I said, thank you very much. Salt and pepper's up next. And he's like, I got the <laughs> out of there. <laughs> That's that's a great that's I great cried laughing that's when I, I just had i was going through all these leadership notes and i've got these college coaches nfl coaches general managers and then i had that story they're like oh i gotta tell bucky the story <laughs> that's great way to know the crowd way to know, know, the know crowd. your role man no hey yeah i know no, who i am funny. i know what i'm not that is hilarious that's funny uh, all right what did you see in the game last night buck i mean the game last night was pretty good i think um we're at the point in year where 
teams should crystallize in terms of their identity and how they want to play. And I will say I was very impressed by the way the L.A. Rams played on both sides of the ball. Uh, offensively, Sean McVay is back to being the magician when it comes to the deception and pulling rabbits out the hat. Uh, they have gone back and fully leaned into the jet sweep motion that they did a few years ago when he was when he burst onto the scene. And the thing that makes it so difficult when they're using the jet sweep or fly sweep action, they will run to the motion. They'll run away from the motion. They'll throw to the side of the motion. They'll throw away from it. They've added movement-based bootlegs and passing game to come with it. And so from the defense, all of that eye candy kind of leaves you paralyzed. And it makes it very difficult for you to figure out who's the, who's the edge setter, who's the leverage player. If we're in man, do we want to play man? Do we want to play zone? You play zone, then it makes it easy for Jerry Goff to just pick you apart. If you play man, you're susceptible to some of the uh, bootleg action and also the running game. And so he has really done a good job of embracing that creativity in, in the way they do the pre-snap stuff while still retaining the physicality of the running game and really setting the game up well for Jerry Goff. We're always trying to, to think outside the box, right? Some things have been done the same way, and we see innovation take this league by storm. And, you know, we saw it, you know, when think about when Chip Kelly first came into the league, how nobody was prepared for that. No. Had some success early on, and now teams have adopted that. Now we're seeing this trend uh, with a lot of the jet motion stuff that you're talking about. I, I started thinking about if you think outside the box, we always have had, you know, you coach a position. You know, maybe we have a run game coordinator, pass game coordinator. But why can't you think outside the box and go out and try and find a creative mind in college? Maybe it's a position coach or what have you and say, you are going to be our shift coach. That's I, it. You, I you're got, our shift in motion guy. Yeah, I have one for you. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. If yeah, Matt look, Canada. Yeah, Matt Canada has given them that. If, if you go back and you look at his history, he was a guy that really was all about the jet sweep, fly sweep action uh, at Wisconsin. I, I told you, I, I saw him the Big Ten championship game. Melvin Gordon ran for 200 plus yards on fly sweeps. Um, mm -hmm. It's Melvin Gordon and James White, and they beat the brakes off Wisconsin seven. I mean, they beat the brakes off of Nebraska 70. They put a 70 burger on them. Um, he did the same thing at Pittsburgh when they knocked off Clemson when they were number one. He was the offensive coordinator. And so he's been able to utilize some of that and some of the stuff that you see from them, a lot more pre-snap window dressing, uh, particularly down in the red zone near the goal line when they use Clay Chase Claypool as their fly sweep runner. And so we have seen that. I think what you're seeing from the Carolina Panthers, it hasn't necessarily hit it on a national scene, but they're mixing in some some tempo, some of the stuff that they were doing in New Orleans when Joe Brady and Teddy Bridgewater together, and they're having that. And I, I, I completely agree. Cliff Kingsbury, you talked about the coaching clinic that he put on Sunday night, one to two minute drill. But to me, what was most impressive, the ability to get in and out of tempo. And I mm -hmm. think the best way when I've talked to defense coordinators, they've said that the challenge is not when people play all fast all the time, because you can adjust to that. You can set up a game plan for that. But when they jump in and out of it, man, it just keeps you on your toes because you never know when they're going to repeat a play or they're going to keep your, that package on and they keep you on for four or five plays in a row. We've seen quarterbacks do that. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees will sometimes, but the way that Kingsbury is able to kind of jumpstart that offense at a moment's notice with the quarterback, who's a perfect fit for what he wants to do. Yeah, the innovation from the college game, I think, definitely deserves to be explored and really tapped into. And we talked uh, before the season started about a little bit of a trend of taking, you know, defensive coaches, putting them on the offensive side of the ball, mm -hmm. offensive coaches, put them on the defensive side of the ball so they could work together. 
And I'm thinking like in an instance like this, if you had somebody, if you take you take a, uh, you know, somebody that's a defensive coach, it's coaching the defensive side of the ball his whole life. And you had somebody that just during the week was responsible for pre snap uh, shifts, motions and how to manipulate what you get out of them. You can be able to ping pong off of each other and say, OK, if we line up like this, but then we shift to this. You know, where could defensively you be vulnerable in this scheme? You know it inside out, how you react to different alignments and shifts and motions and be able to creatively kind of collaboratively come up with with a game plan that way. I think, you know, I go back to the baseball thing we talked about with baseball has gone more towards collaborative leadership from the front office. It's not mm-hmm. just one person. It's five or six guys that work together and trust each other. Man, I almost think some of this stuff, having offensive coaches and defensive coaches kind of separated, man, I think the teams that are smart are going to be able to add on to those staff and have those lines kind of blur a little bit where they are really working together. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And I, th- I think it has to be one of those deals. And I think, man, especially early, I think young coaches should try and coach on both sides of the ball. I can tell you just from my, my playing experience, um, playing offense, but then going to defense, I didn't know the game fully until I had a chance to go on the other side. And the things that you think the defense is doing on offense, when you get on defense, you find out like, oh, they're not even thinking about that at all. Like that has nothing to do, that has nothing to do with the coverage. And so I just think for a full comprehensive understanding, I think you should challenge yourself in that vein. I, I think even, you know, like to take this to the scouting world, but I think we have seen some teams use their scouts as coaches for a little bit, then bring them back. The Patriots have been famous for being able to do that. I think Brian Flores has done that. Nick Cesario um, has gone and been a coach and come back. I think it does give you a different perspective. And I think with all of that, when you talk about collaborative leadership, the more you're exposed to, um, the more perspective you have. And I think it can make you a better expert at that little aspect that you're really trying to have a, a high level of expertise at. Yeah, I mean, I just I think sometimes we just get hung up on your receivers coach for 30 years and you're a DB's coach for 30 years. And then there's just, you know, you kind of stay in your own room, you coach your own guys. But I think you can learn a lot from from working across the aisle, for lack of a better term. Yeah, no, no, I, I think so. And that's why I'm fascinated by the Raheem Morris situation in Atlanta, because he went from being a respected defensive coordinator to being a wide receiver coach slash pass game coordinator to now he's back as the defensive coordinator and the interim head coach, that's a lot of different things. The guys that we've seen do that, Tom Landry, like Tom Landry did that. Tom Landry went from being a defensive back to a defensive coordinator to a head coach and an offensive play caller for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, that's old school perspective in terms of being able to really understand the game. And as we continue to go out and think about head coaches, head coaches have to be able to solve problems and if you're trying to put yourself in that trap, man, the more that you've been exposed to, the better it should prepare you for when you are a head coach and bringing some of those innovations into the building. We're always coming up with different ideas for for research to, to help us out here. So when these ideas come to our head, I like just getting them out and then uh, we can put them on the research department, see what they can come up with. Because I'd be curious to know if we looked at, at games that were kind of one score games, right? So you go into mm-hmm. halftime, one score games. And then look at the point differential in the second half of those games. To me, now you get a sense for who can adjust, who can figure out and solve problems as you go into the second half um, and who can't. You know, think who are the teams that have leads going into the, into the half and then can't be able to adjust to the adjustment per se. I was just thinking about that because you look at, at like the Jets. 
you come into that game. They're four yards in the second half. We talked about it the other day. Four yards. Yeah. I mean, and so what did Buffalo do? Buffalo came out and said, we're going to play man, and we're going to we're gonna blitz you like crazy and force you to try and communicate and pick things up. And the Jets couldn't do it. Um, so to me, I would I would just be curious about that because you talk about preparing for a game, but man, being able to adjust in game to me, that's where you find the good stuff. So here, here's what's funny, DJ. I had a bunch of conversations with coaches about this. Obviously, um, as a high school coach, I'm always curious to see what others do. Um, and I'll lean on two guys that we know and know very well. One is in battle, but one um, is, is still highly respected. One is Dennis Thurman. So Dennis Thurman and I talk all the time. And DT told me that the guys who are the best at halftime adjustments have already made their adjustments before the game, meaning that in their head, they have a plan A for how this game is going to plan out, play out. But they also have a plan for, A, if we get in trouble, where can we get in trouble at? And if we have a tr- trouble here, okay, let's have a tentative backup game plan already ready to go. And so we'll go to our adjustments here. Mike Nolan, when he was working with us at, at NFL Network, he also told me, yeah, you don't go in. Like, you don't go in at halftime and into 12 minutes. You just pull something out of the sky and say, hey, this is how we're going to adjust. He said those things are thought about during the week. Now, you may not communicate those things to the players, but as a staff, you've talked about, hey, if they're giving us problems with the running game, what is our what is our backup thing? What is the third option or whatever? Dennis told me something that was interesting. He said every team, every coordinator should have a binder on the sideline, which is their playbook. And he says, some of the things that you touch on in training camp, you may not ever touch on again, but in a game, you may have to go to the book and show the players. Hey, Mm -hmm. remember in training camp, we talked about this tactic. We may have to use it today because they're showing us something that we hadn't prepared for. So, hey, everyone take a look at it, almost like the big book. Everyone take a look at it. Remember the pictures? Okay, this, oh yeah, coach, we got it. Okay, so we're going to go to it. And so it should be a very thought out process. Uh, I think Bill Walsh used to talk about a the, the novelty of having someone draw it up in the dirt is great, but the great ones never draw it up in the dirt. The great ones have already thought about it and then they put it up. So it may seem like an improvised reaction, but it's something that's been thoroughly baked out and cooked up so that the guys can adjust. Well, that's great. Yeah, to me, again, just part of your preparation, but but being able to see what you see and say, okay, this is not working. We knew that was a chance that could happen. Let's go. Let's go to this this other game plan. That makes a lot of sense. By the way, you can check out DT on our prototype series. We did that uh, prototype series. We went through every position and showed you how um, you know how we try and scout those positions by bringing in a bunch of great guests to help us out. And DT was on the uh, the corner uh, the DB uh, conversation we had, which was corners and safeties. NFL.com slash MTS prototype. You can find that whole series if you missed it. Um, all right, Buck. Uh, the game uh, we hit on the game last night. We hit on these adjustments. Let's jump down to the college game because I want to get your thoughts on uh, on what you saw. Big Ten kicking off. Um, I know Rhett was fired up about uh, Indiana beating Penn State in that game, but. Uh, I think scouts are more curious what's going on uh, with Ohio State, particularly with the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think I think all eyes are on Justin Fields. Um, and this reminds me a little bit of a, a race, a track and field race, maybe the 400. So in the 400, um, because of the distance, you have to stagger the lanes. I feel like for Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence has been in lane five. He's in <laughs> lane four. So Trevor Lawrence is already out there. He's taken off. He's running. And so Justin Fields has to figure out, is there a way for me to make up the stagger? And so 
against Nebraska was his first opportunity to begin to maybe close the gap a little bit on Justin, on Trevor Lawrence. And I'll say this, these guys have forever been linked together from high school. They were always number one and number two with both guys, both guys flipping times as number one or the number two guy. And I think it had continued to be that way. Trevor Lawrence is a fantastic prospect, but I think Justin Fields is also a fantastic prospect. Against Nebraska, I mean, look, the dude is 20 of 21. He's very efficient. He showed that he could run the ball and do all the things that you want to see the athletic quarterback do in today's game. And the connection that he had with two of the receivers at Ohio State, you had two receivers go over 100 yards. He was dialed in. I mean, look, I think Ohio State certainly kept practicing during this time, and I felt like the sharpness that we saw from him was a reflection of that compared to what we saw from Trey Lance, where they said it was kind of stop, start. They didn't do it the whole time. I felt like Ohio State practiced the entire time and they didn't skip a beat when they got a chance to get on the field. And that included Justin Fields. Yeah, no, it was it was impressive. You go back and watch the tape. Some of the things I just wrote down, you see obviously the size, the athletic ability, uh, the physicality. Uh, the velocity was outstanding, really pushing the ball outside the numbers, uh, some big time throws there. The accuracy, the ball placement, the, the accuracy was was good. The uh, the completion percentage was off the charts. Even on the one that was that was incomplete, it was actually dropped. It was a good throw. He forced one, got bailed out by a penalty. Um, but but overall, I thought the accuracy was good. The ball placement at times, you know, you can nitpick him and say, oh, this shoulder, that shoulder. But I mean, gosh, the guy shouldn't have had an incompletion the entire day. So you feel good about that. Um the, the interesting thing is, number one is there 95% of the time. So when he gets to the top of his drop, first read in the progression, he's open, ball's gone. When number one wasn't there, I thought he looked to run a little bit, which is fine, go make a play. And then I thought he held the ball a little bit. So to me, like that would be, if you're going to say, mm-hmm. he was more accurate than Trey Lance in that game, absolutely. Um both similar athletes. I mean, they both run the run the ball really well. Trey Lance ran it, I think, for a buck fifty and a, and a couple scores in that game. So running, let's make that kind of a little bit different. I think Trey Lance is more physical, uh, fields a little bit faster, but a wash. Both going to help you in that regard. I thought that Trey Lance advantage for him was just you see him kind of work through progressions. Now he had some misfires in that game, no doubt, but I think you see him just work through things a little bit differently uh, than Fields does. The the overall thing that I circled down at the bottom though was. These guys, all three of these guys, expand your playbook. Mm -hmm. There's nothing you can't do. I mean, you can expand it. You can move them around. Fields has the best throw of the year, I thought. It was the the catch got all the attention for being able to get the toe down in the back of the end zone. But he's rolling all the way to the right. He's got to throw that kind of back to the middle of the end zone, and it's caught with unbelievable footwork to to get a foot down for the score. But, man, it was a heck of a throw uh, to be able to make that type of throw. So I, I'm looking at that. This is where the NFL is going and and be excited about it. And we can spend – we're going to spend the next months trying to, to separate this versus this, that versus that between these three quarterbacks. Any of the teams get these three guys are going to be happy because they can do anything you want to do and expand your playbook. You know, D, DJ, I think this is a situation where we will see these guys go one, two, and three if they all come yeah. out. Right. I, I just think it's one of those situations, one, two and three. And we'll assume that Trevor Lawrence is one. But I, I really think it's one, two and three. And I think whoever takes gets whoever is going to be satisfied with the quarterback that they get. And they're just going to have to build around them. Um, it's a fascinating discussion and conversation because um, I think a lot of the debate will center on Fields and Lance as opposed to Fields and Lawrence. I think yeah. they'll 
will pin. It, it feels like Lawrence is kind of in his own world right now, right. and that we're kind of fighting it out for number two. And and yeah. and the other thing is the, the we got the BYU kid kind of hanging out in the background here, who's generating hey, a lot of buzz. Hey, he's good. Yeah, like Zach. Wilson. I got to do him. I haven't, I haven't looked at him yet, so I got to study he, him. He, he he's he's good in the sense that he has some of that that athleticism stuff and the arm talent. And look, BYU plays rock'em sock'em football now. They mm-hmm. they hit you in the mouth and they're physical and they're tough. And he embraces the toughness. He has good receivers on the outside um, that can make plays. It's unfortunate right now the way their schedule is. I think there's a downturn in their schedule. They won't he won't get challenged as much, but the traits. And all this stuff are there. I think I think we're talking about four guys that could be first round probables. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's another one that could jump in there, but I definitely think Zach Wilson is certainly in that conversation as a first round talent. Yeah, it's going to be fun um, to, to watch these guys as we go through. But I mean, do you feel like it, Buck? We, we've talked a little bit about this. Um, I mean, I just I, I don't see the pocket passer surviving. Look at the last two we've had. Right, the last two pure pocket passers. Tell me if I'm missing somebody. But are really Josh Rosen and Dwayne Haskins? Yeah, Those are the last two pocket passes. It hasn't yeah. worked out. No, it hasn't worked out. And some of the reasons that were pointed out in the run up to the draft, it did, did it. Like everybody loved how both of those guys could throw from a clean pocket. Like when the pocket was clean, they could throw from the grassy knoll. That they ain't the game everything. anymore. But but once it got muddied and a little um, junky and cloudy in the pocket, yeah, it makes it very very tough because you don't have the escapability. And I think what everyone is looking for, what every coach is looking for, is someone that can make you right. Um, when you have a guy that can erase your poor play calls, like you can live to play another day. And what those mobile athletic guys can do is they can make you right, even when you call the wrong play. I mean, we can talk about Josh Allen. Josh Allen can make the Buffalo Bills right sometimes by running around and making a play, whether it's a scramble or a scramble toss. They can do that. Lamar Jackson, you create things. You can do it. I'm looking at Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson play and, I mean, Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert, like uh, everybody, uh, Joe Burrow, like that is the way that is the way of the world right now. And if you don't have one of those guys that can run around and create and extend, it just puts a ton of pressure on you as a play caller. And that's why I'm really curious to see what eventually happens with Baker Mayfield. Um, Baker Mayfield has been kind of sold or packaged as one of those guys, but from an athletic standpoint, that's not really who he is. And so, um, when you make the comparison about the pure pocket guy, they have been surpassed by the athletic playmaker in the pocket. And I think it's important to clarify when we talk about the athletic playmaker, I'm not talking about the run first quarterback. What I'm talking about is a quarterback that can deal from the pocket. Plus he's a, mm-hmm. he's a playmaker. Plus he can, he can throw it from the pocket. If it's clean and he can pick you apart that way, but he also gives you maybe the quarterback run game maybe the ability to get on the edge on the bootleg passing game and be a legitimate threat. Maybe he can extend plays. That is what every offensive coordinator and head coach wants. Now they want that guy that can do it inside and outside the pocket. Yeah. I just, man, it, uh, creative, I think is kind of one of those words that we never really heard in the quarterback evaluation process, right? Accuracy, poise, decision-making, I don't know that creativity, you know, or, you know, playmaking to me, like there's a greater emphasis on that now than at any point in time since we've been scouting. Yeah. It's that. And also the minds that are calling the plays. Mm-hmm. We're seeing guys with a different level of experience calling plays, the creativity, tapping into the college game. 
uh, taking a player where he is and expanding upon what those things he displays as a college player. Uh, how can we mix that in with what we have? And the game is shifting that way, not only because of the quarterbacks, but because of the way the game is played at the lower levels. You have these wide receivers who have never necessarily run the full route tree. And so you can't expect them to, in a year or two, come in and do these old school, intricate routes. It is better to meet them where they are. And so a lot of these guys are used to, what do we call it? Grab grass? Um, yeah. In the air Go find center. grass. Go find grass, sit down. A lot of guys grew up in that, high school and college. And so that's what they're used to. And so you can make the decision, I'm going a, I'm to a take the time to develop them or I'm going to meet them where they are and I'm going to hope that they can grow and expand to where we want them to be. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, how about the guest we have coming up tomorrow? Uh, so excited about that. For a long time, I think he was alone in the conversation as the GOAT. I think Tom Brady changed things over the last couple of years. But uh, uh, Thursday's episode, I say tomorrow, Thursday's episode, we're going to have Joe Montana on the show. Couldn't be more fired up about that. No, good get, man. He is, he is the guy that everybody talks about as a prototype. And not necessarily because of his physical stature, but because he was the ultimate winner. And he was the ultimate winner in key situations. Uh, Two-minute drills. We saw him two-minute drills in the Super Bowl against the Cincinnati Bengals. Calmly, coolly led his team down the thing. And we saw him do it over and over. I can tell you, having spent time in Kansas City, right after he left, he left a, an imp- impact on the organization in terms of what they expected from the quarterback and how they expected the quarterback to be able to get it done in certain situations. So, yeah, he's the gold standard of quarterback play. So it would be great to talk to him. I want to talk to him about that, about going to Kansas City. You're at, you come from a place where you've done nothing but win big then go to a place where you're trying to get over that hump. Now, he got him in the postseason, had success, or he didn't get a title. But I think that he brought some of that accountability with him there that changed it. And, and to me, you look at LeBron and where he's gone and what he's done at the different spots he's been with the accountability that he brings. I think Tom Brady's another, you know, a great example of not only getting the player, it's that they kind of bring the culture with them when you have somebody of that magnitude. They absolutely bring the culture with them. They set the standard. When you hear Tom Brady talk in Tampa, he talks about, hey, we, we haven't done anything yet. We got to get ready for next week. Whatever we just did on Sunday doesn't matter. Uh, we got to focus in. And I think because he is a guy that is so focused on continuing to improve, it makes it harder for other guys to kind of take a deep breath when they have notable accomplishments. It's raising the level of play. And a great quarterback can do that. A great quarterback with winning experience in particular can change the way that everybody goes about their business. And for most teams, they would tell you, it is a lot helpful when your best player is the quarterback who is also your hardest worker because then it it changes the standard and raises the expectations for the work ethic that everybody in the building is exposed to to display. All right, last question before we roll out of here. I'm just curious on this. We've got Ravens Steelers coming up this week. I think it's the most physical game of the year when those two teams get together. As a player in the NFL, what was the, what was the the physical matchup every year that you had on the calendar? Was there one in the division where you said, "Okay, we know this is going to be uh, this is going to be rock and sock'em"? So there are two, and it's funny um, that you brought up the Ravens Steelers. Whenever I was at any team and the Steelers came to town. It was always a conversation at the meeting. Hey, still is it come to town, bring your big boy pass. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of the uh, thing that they created. Uh, in terms of a rivalry game, being on both sides of the Kansas City Raiders rivalry was something. Uh, from Kansas City standpoint, 
we it was Raider week. We always felt like we owned them. Our physicality would wear them down. From the Raider standpoint, it was always using Kansas City as the measuring stick and making sure that we could rise up to their level of play. Um, those games are memorable, though. Uh, and Green Bay, I think the Green Bay-Chicago game would kind of qualify as that physical game. Mm-hmm. But, man, those games are memorable because you love those games. To me, I, I equate everything to playoff football because it's that, that winner-go-home mentality. And when that urgency comes, man, you talk about the big hits. So for the Ravens themselves, I can't wait to watch it, man. At you being on that Ravens side, what, what was that like? Because I know that was there, but also the Tennessee Titans for a while was also kind of that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually uh, talked about this with Chris Fowler in the interview with him. If, if you missed, if anybody missed that, go check it out. It was, it was fun to talk with him. Uh, but he was talking to him about the difference between the college game and the NFL game. And I said, I remember my brother came out to visit when I was first working in the NFL, working with the Ravens. And he came down there on the field. We have a field pass before the game. It's Ravens Steelers. So the warm-ups end and he's getting ready to start heading towards the tunnel to go back up to his seats. And I was like, no, 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 no. I said, we'll stay down here for the first series. So you stay down there on the field for the first series and see how physical and how fast. That's a different deal now. I mean, that that was that was Bart Scott and Ray Lewis and Heinz Ward and I mean Joey Porter, all those dudes like that. That's different. That it just it it looks different. And man, when you get down there on the field and you know what haven't played, Buck, it sounds different in those games. Oh, DJ, that's that's what everyone lives for. And it, it's funny, right? Because sometimes on the outside, you can't understand the division games and how, man, how can this team beat this? They haven't beat anybody else, but it's a rivalry game and it, it, it just raises the stakes. And so everyone knows, like in practice, it's a little faster, it's a little crisper. Uh, there's more urgency uh, demanded by the coaches. The players also kind of understand that. And so with this game coming up, I think it's about which team is going to impose their will on the other team. The Pittsburgh Steelers right now are viewed as maybe the best team in the AFC. And so, you know, the Ravens want to have something to say about that. And oh, yeah. so, yeah, that that physicality and toughness, I can't wait. It's, it's must-see TV. I'm surprised it's not a primetime. It's not a primetime game this week. I don't know. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, it should always be a primetime game. It should be a Sunday night I know one thing. Night affair. They're both going to get off the bus blitzing because this year they're number one and number two in the NFL in terms of blitz rate. I think it's 47% for the Ravens, 42% for the Steelers. Um, so, no, they're going to get off the bus blitzing. It's going to be aggressive. It's going to be fun. Um, so, that's I, you know, I think, it, forward to. I think it's funny that you bring up the blitzing thing, right? So, because for the Pittsburgh Steelers, They've been known as Blitzburg in the past, but this year is a little different. Before, it was always zone dog. They, yeah. were, they would blitz and bring and have three deep, three under uh, zone coverage. Behind. But now they're a little more man-to-man, and that has been a huge change for them in the Mike Tomlin era because they have tried, man. They, they swung and missed a number of times at cornerbacks that could play man-to-man, and it appears now they finally have the right um, situation and rotation. And then with Baltimore, Baltimore has always been a very aggressive oh, – yeah creative come after you team and with wing martindale and getting those guys and i can't wait to see how they utilize yannick and mm-hmm. how they bring him into the fold because you have matt udon you have calais campbell you now have Ngakwe. you talk about being able to heat him up to get some one-on-one situations five-man pressure package at wink martindale's disposal now is absolutely ridiculous yeah, and, and look, Roethlisberger has to play better than he did against Tennessee. Against Tennessee, or they won't beat the Ravens. So um, he usually has a way of kind of rising up to the occasion when they when they face Baltimore. Yeah, he's, but he's got to play better. Yeah, he's a different he's a different cat this year, DJ, because he's playing small ball. It's all mm-hmm. horizontal. It's all quick rhythm passing. Is get the ball to the playmakers. The key in my mind for the Baltimore Ravens: can they tackle in space? 
Mm-hmm. Can you get Juju, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, and Clay, Chase Claypool? Can you get them to the ground when you have one-on-one tackles? Because they're living off the yak and the rack. And then the second thing would be, can you contain the running game? Um, and I think for Pittsburgh is, they're going to bless the snot out of Lamar Jackson in the run game. Mm-hmm. And so when they do that, can Joe Hayden and those guys on the outside hold up one-on-one? Because I think they're going to – I mean, I think they're going to sell out and absolutely try and obliterate whatever they do at the mesh point. That's, yep. no. that's the recipe, and we just have to see how, how, what it looks like. No doubt. Ravens coming off a bye in that one, too. So they'll be rested and ready to go. Steelers coming off a very physical win over the Tennessee Titans. So uh, we'll get into that game a little bit more, uh, as well as some of these other top games on the next episode, which, by the way, is going to feature Joe Montana. Can't wait for that one. Uh, Anything else you want to add before we jump out of here, Buck? No, man, I'm excited. I'm excited to have uh, Joe Montana on. It'll be great. Yeah, here we go. Can't wait for it. Thank you guys uh, for checking us out today. Uh, encourage you to subscribe if you haven't already and uh, check out the videos nfl.com slash mts video you can leave us a rating and review on uh, on itunes or sorry on apple Podcasts. we do appreciate that as well all right that's going to do it for us today we'll catch you next time right here on move the six presented by zaxby's You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids, Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. 
Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.